I'm your health coach, Melissa Lee. Here at Thriving with Nourishment Health, I provide women with the resources to reclaim fertility and celebrate periods through the lens of functional medicine. It is time to empower ourselves with natural solutions over band-aid medicines. We will get to the root cause of symptoms to see the bigger picture. Let us find the ability to heal ourselves, get back to Mother Nature, and live in a healthier world. Hey everyone, I have Lisa Palladino on the show today. Lisa is an experienced women's healthcare provider, lactation consultant, and nurse midwife, dedicated to her mission of helping all women achieve their personal health goals. We are talking about birth control today, which I'm very excited about. Uh, we're going to be talking about the pill, its side effects, and whether it is safe or not for young girls to use them. We will also talk about future fertility, which is a term coined by Lisa, and I actually really like it because it sounds so cool. Um, so welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you, Melissa. It's a pleasure to be here. It's always nice to have someone I kind of know on my podcast. Um, so let's just get started. What is your own story with the birth control? Okay, so let me just preface it to say that I'm probably a little bit older than most of your listeners and even maybe some of your guests. So when, when I was younger, um, the birth control pill wasn't as accepted as it is now, but it was starting to be. You know, it was like, we knew it was there, but it wasn't like, everybody just didn't go on the pill. Like, like now I find that that's almost like a rite of passage. Mm -hmm. So um, I waited, I was about to get married and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to be getting my period when I was going to, you know, for my wedding and I was right. going away. So I wanted to make sure that that was okay. So I started the pill about three months before um, my wedding and I felt so different on the pill. Like I stayed with it because I wanted to get through, but I felt, and, and no one spoke about this, and, but I hear it now. I felt like a, um, almost like my mood was thwarted. Like I was like numbed out a little bit. Like mm -hmm. I, you know, those, those ups and downs of the cycle were gone, which some people think that that's good. I didn't really like it. You know, I felt like something was taken away. And there's lesser swings. Yeah, I'm not okay. just mood swings, but this kind you know, of you have a different energy in the beginning of your cycle. Yeah, your energy is a little lower right before your period, as it should be, telling you to rest. Yeah, and then after your period's over, you get that burst of energy and good feeling. You know, it was just leveled. You know, yeah, I just felt level, right? Yeah. And at the time, I really, I was a new nurse, you know, I started my career as an RN and I was a new nurse and I didn't really know too much about it except what I read in, you know, read about in the, in the description of things. And not too many people were talking about that. And then later on, when I was more experienced and I was um, taking care of women and asking their experiences on the pill or people would come to me and tell me this, that they felt like the pill took away their interest in sex. And when I thought back on it and reflected on it, I think that that was the case for me. Not that it took it away completely, but it changed things, you know, and, right. and it, it was, it wasn't the same because if you know about our cycles, we get 
the desire to reproduce and the desire to have intercourse and be intimate with our partners around the time of ovulation in mid-cycle because the purpose of the whole thing mm-hmm. is to reproduce, right? So taking away those hormones around there can also take away that desire. And I think it's really, you know, the reason why I say I know that I experienced it, but I didn't learn about it until I heard somebody else talk about it, you know? And so if anybody is listening and they're experiencing something similar it's not all in their head it's it's a real physical concern to think about i'm glad you brought that up like the whole part about feeling like you're just flat in Mm -hmm. terms of energy and mood Mm -hmm. um how does the birth control pill affect um what about younger girls in their teens for example yeah so that's a trend right now well yeah. not a trend but like it's really popular right now yeah and you know i don't want to sound like a complete downer mm-hmm. about the pill because it's useful in certain situations i believe in short-term situations right. and it's not like i think it should be banned or anything like that but i think that we should go into it knowing what we're doing and being completely informed right and we don't really get an inf- that much information, especially as a young girl put on the pill, right? What are you told? You're told how to take it, you know, sometimes you're told, you know, what some bad reactions to look for, but you're not really told what it could do to affect your whole body and affect your mood and affect your future. So the real concern for me with very young teenagers being put on it is that the reason they're put on it isn't really um, valid. Sometimes it's about controlling a cycle that's irregular. Mm-hmm. And a young girl just getting her period, it's supposed to be irregular or it's normal for it right. to be irregular. I was gonna bring right? that up. Like, isn't it yeah. to, you know, not yeah. it, It's okay. Um, yeah. For the first two years, it could be starting and stopping. Sometimes it comes more often. It's finding its own rhythm. Your body is finding its own hormonal rhythm. And then we interfere with it by putting the pill there. Then there's some maybe older teenagers have had their period for a few years and they're either having cramps or they're getting irregular periods. Perhaps they're starting with PCOS syndrome, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And instead of fixing what's going on, we put it put them on the pill and hide the underlying problem. Mm. So yes, now it looks like you're having a regular period. Yeah. But what caused you to not have a regular period? What caused you to have heavy bleeding? What caused your PMS? What caused you to have uh, cysts growing? You know, and we're not, or endometriosis, all those things that could be going on, we're not treating them. We're not even looking at them. We're just going to cover it up and put you on it. And the plan usually is until you've planned to have a child. And right. then take you off it. Yeah. And then, well, don't worry, we'll use fertility methods to get you pregnant, which mm-hmm. boggles my mind. You know? <laughs> so that's my concern with young kids. It's, okay. it's affecting their own hormonal development. It's teaching them, first of all, that they need a medication to control what's normal, which sets a whole psychological thing going on there you know we could talk about feminism and everything else like there's there's a whole we could talk for weeks on this topic you know about what that means for women to have this patriarchal system giving them something to control their normal hormones you know 
I totally agree. And like, there's no yeah. like male version of the pill, you know, that right. gives them like the pain or the whatever, like a mood swings and all mm-hmm. the other side effects. Like mm-hmm. it's definitely very, um, yeah, women are definitely like not being made aware of all the potential side effects of the pill. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm really glad you talked about like, especially for like young teenage girls, mm-hmm. um, which kind of brought me, brings me to my next question. Like how would this affect their chances of conceiving? Like once they so, go off the pill later on, what yeah. happens? So um, there are studies that show that it doesn't really, in general, it shouldn't affect it. Mm-hmm. However, it depends on why they were put on the pill. So if they have polycystic ovarian syndrome and they're not having regular ovulation, which is a hallmark of polycystic ovarian syndrome, that's why the, that's why the periods are irregular because the ovulation isn't happening every month and then there's cysts that develop and then it's a cycle of that. Um, so if that's not going on and we put them on the pill for, you know, say 10 years and now they come off the pill 10 years later, Mm-hmm. unless they changed things, unless they worked on their health, maybe changed their diet and took supplements and got good sleep and had, you know, dealt with their lifestyle things like stress and things like that. Mm-hmm. Nothing has changed in their body unless they've worked on that. And why would they work on it? Because they think they're better now because right. the period, it yeah. looks like their period is coming. Right. Mm-hmm. So for, for the most, most part, all those things that were causing all the all the misfunction in the body is still there it's just hidden and now we take the pill away and all kinds of things can happen you know there may be regular periods but they may not be um they there it could go either way and one of the things that i see with girls who come off the pill who've been on it for a really long time is they're not used to those very symptoms and mood, mood changes that are normal mm-hmm. feel extreme to them because right. they've had that flat line. And now all of a sudden everything floods back, you know? Yeah, and even like normal a rebound. Things, yeah, yeah, normal things like um, changes of, you know, we could talk about vaginas, right? The, the, yeah, totally. <laughs> the vaginal, you know, the vaginal secretions mm-hmm. that change as the month goes on, you know, we get increased secretions before ovulation and the normal odors that are a part of secrete, you know, normal, not, you know, smelly or whatever. They're just normal women's sensations. Mm -hmm. If you're on the pill for a long time, that all goes away. So when you have it, it can be, it can be anxiety producing because you're not used to those normal bodily changes. You're not used to having increased secretions. Mm -hmm. Now you do, I have a lot, I've had quite a few people come to me thinking they had a vaginal infection or a yeast infection or something going on right. because they had discharge. Like, no, no, that's uh, normal. That's good. Yeah, totally. You know, and the, the thing that I always like to bring up when we talk about um, the birth control pill is when it's used for contraceptive contraception for the reason that it was made, mm-hmm. we have to think about that we can only get pregnant between like three and five days out of the month. In the middle mm-hmm. of the month. Right? Why is that? Could you explain the dynamic yeah, process? Because yeah. we can, if we have regular periods, we on, we ovulate around day fourteen, mm-hmm. and the ovulation is the release of the egg. You can't get pregnant unless there's an egg present. So the egg doesn't last more than a day or two. So there's a very short window 
to me, it's even miraculous that we ever can reproduce at all because so many things have to go right to have that. Yeah, that's what I think too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So if we're taking a medication that alters everything about our bodily systems, because our hormones control so much more than our periods, we're taking that medication every day for something that only happens in the middle of the cycle for a few days. And the other aspect of that is, you know, with sexually transmitted diseases, including HIV and AIDS, we want to use a condom at every encounter unless we're with someone for a really long time and confident that we're monogamous, we're both monogamous. Mm -hmm. So if you're using a condom anyway, why do you need to be on the pill for birth control for the whole whole month you know mm-hmm. of, of course you know that's that's one of my objections to a young girl being put on all right a contraceptive because has anyone explained this to her that you know yes you're on birth control but you still have to use a condom you know that that's yeah. one of the things i think about yeah it's it's kind of sad to be honest like so much lack of education in that department yeah. like yeah, when I when I explain to someone or my client, like the fertile window is actually like only five to six days of the mm-hmm. month. They're like, what? Like I thought yeah. I could get pregnant anytime. Mm-hmm. Like it's also based on like cultural and societal. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's always possible. Outlying yeah. things happen. You know, yeah. somebody, it's possible to ovulate while you're still menstruating, which is mm-hmm. rare, but it's possible. Right. You know, but it, you know, for the most part, if you think about the law of averages, it's not easy to get pregnant. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so um, besides, you know, affecting their chances, per, potentially affecting the chances of conceiving, are there any long-term effects of health aside from like their reproductive health? Um, that's a good question. Depends on which study you read. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen any um, like, you know? So here's the thing. Mm-hmm. It, it could, my biggest concern about it is the, the not, not dealing with whatever that root cause is that caused them to need the pill. Okay. So if so you find you know, the root cause first. Yes. Like polycystic ovarian syndrome is my specialty. You know, I have amazing success working with women and helping them to heal themselves. And, um, with if we if we just put somebody on the pill and cover up the symptoms they don't care not that they don't care but there's no reason to work on that mm-hmm. part of them right and there's no way to know if things are getting better right. so what's scary about that is that's not just a hormonal period problem it's also a metabolic problem meaning it could be, and in a lot of cases, it's related to the sh- sugar me- metabolism. And mm-hmm. an untreated PCOS becomes insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, overweight, heart conditions, high blood pressure, high mm-hmm. cholesterol, all the metabolic diseases of middle age. Mm-hmm. So I see many women, you know, the, let, me, let me backtrack. The yeah. reason that I picked PCOS as yeah. my specialty was because in one week I saw three women with PCOS at different life stages. One was a, a young girl who was 15 who was having irregular periods and she had, I did her blood work and her testosterone 
was through the roof. And that's a hallmark of PCOS. Another one was, had just had a baby and she came to me for breastfeeding help. And she was having trouble with milk supply. Nobody told her that her PCOS could cause her to have low milk supply. She just thought she just needed to use fertility treatments to get pregnant, but she never ever had regular cycles without the pill. She had, she didn't have the hormonal milieu that's needed to make milk. Then they artificially got her pregnant with IVF. Yeah. They never dealt with what was going on. Right. The breastfeeding after, Mm -hmm. you know, and we worked really hard and we did, but so we had that. So I had the, the young girl, the one with the, with the um, new, new baby. Mm-hmm. And then we had, I had this woman come to me who was 46 years old, perimenopausal, just came off the birth control. No, wait, excuse me. She had a hysterectomy the year okay. before mm-hmm. because she came off the pill finally and her yeah. bleeding was out of control. But now her problem was, and she didn't even realize she had PCOS. It was just in backtracking. She had been on the pill all these years for irregular and heavy bleeding, came off only to have her kids, went right back on, and now she was overweight. She had high blood pressure, high cholesterol, fatty liver disease, and Mm. type 2 diabetes. And so when I saw these three different views of the same disease or the same syndrome, I said, this, somebody's talking to me and saying, I have to get to these young girls before they get to how you know these other older women yeah were at that stage you know Mm -hmm. and there's so much to be done Mm -hmm. you know and what's really cool is you know guiding people to come off the pill i've had yeah the first couple of months working together it's it's usually me saying trust me you can do this and then once they're off the pill they realize how much better they feel they start getting periods again and it's just it's so wonderful to see that i love that so what are, you know, what are some like brief um, solutions, I guess, that you mm-hmm. give them when they just transition off the pill? So the first thing I do is test and make sure all of their nutrient levels are good, mm-hmm. their vitamin and nutrient levels, make sure they're not anemic. Um, you know, I look for things like their B vitamins, their B12, their yeah. iron, their thyroid hormones, make sure oh, they're sure. excellent. Um, look at their testosterone levels. It's, I don't really test hormone levels while they're on the pill because it's sort of irrelevant because their hormones are shut uh-huh. off. Yeah. But sometimes depending on the sin- symptoms still going on, I might test the testosterone level um, and inflammatory markers. So we do a general intake, which includes blood work to see that. Mm-hmm. And I listen to them. So when I talk about the heart-centered model, that's what I was taught in my training and really listening to their story and listening to their fears, listening to their anxieties about what it will be like to come off the pill and Mm -hmm. dealing with that because if they're nervous about it, it's not going to be a good experience. So we talk through that. Um, I like to know, believe it or not, I ask two questions in a half-joking manner. How are they sleeping and how are they pooping? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me, you very know, important. Sleeping good and you yeah. have regular bowel movements, you're healthy, right? Mm-hmm. So the sleeping part gets to the um, the whole cortisol cycle and the rest and the replenishment and the adrenals and that's all got to be balanced before we come off the pill, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I use some 
I, I love using adaptogens. I don't know if you're familiar with adaptogens, but they're herbs that help balance the cortisol balance and the, the mm -hmm. adrenal glands and um, replete them with whatever vitamin levels they may be low in. A lot of people on the pill are low in B12. Want mm -hmm. to make sure that that's in a good place. Their vitamin D is very important yeah. um, to make sure that they, because you need vitamin D to make your hormones. So I, I get all of that balanced and they're, depending on what their symptoms were before they went on the pill is mm -hmm. what I will prescribe before they come off it. So if they had what sounds like to me a progesterone insufficiency, I might use an herb like Vitex or Chaseberry. I don't know if you've right. ever heard of that. Yeah. But it, it really, I wouldn't tell everyone to just go out and get it. It depends mm -hmm. on what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then things like inositol um, that support ovulation. But it's, a, it's so individual because everybody's not the same and everybody's root cause isn't the same. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I also work with diet and make sure or encourage them to be having as much real food, you know, and mm -hmm. taking out inflammatory foods. So I, I, my general rule is a food without a label. <laughs> if there's a label, minimal ingredients and trying to go dairy free, gluten-free, processed sugar-free yeah. um, for a couple of weeks before we take the pill off. And I, like I, I provide, you know, I like doing like a guided elimination diet. Mm -hmm. I run like five day detoxes. So I let my, my program patients come in the detoxes and yeah. we, t we do a group program and we take, take those things out and see how we feel with them in and out. And, um, you know, mostly just take down the inflammation before we take the pill off. And um, everything you talked about reminds me of um, Dr. Bryden's Beyond the Pill book as well. Okay, like, yeah. Very similar. Um, <laughs> I think I have that on my shelf. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have a lot of pure books on our shelves. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I really, like, I, I really like that you're addressing all these lifestyle changes before they go off the pill. So it's yeah. not like, you know, they go off the pill and they get all these symptoms and they're like freaking out. Right, right. So it's definitely like, you know, making them feel safe or comfortable. Yes. Whatever. I love that you use the word safe, Melissa, because I really feel like that's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, we want we want the women to feel safe and empowered. Right. Because that's the, that's the whole reason for any of this, right? It's yeah, not, exactly. You know, if, if she doesn't feel comfortable coming off the pill, then she's not going to have a good experience. Mm -hmm. And also, it, you know, waiting a month or so will help her to trust me. You know, which is important because if she's doing something that's scary for her, she needs the support. Yeah. You know, and I hope, you know, hope to be there for her in, in case anything's going on or she's such a, but I, you know, we all, we prepare, we prepare, and then afterwards there, it's like no big deal usually. Yeah. It's like, oh, it was great. Yeah. Can I got my period, you know? <laughs> the fear and, is always like overrated. It's like. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But that's always the case, right? Yeah. So, okay. So. We talked about the birth control pill. Are there, what are other ways that, you know, girls can use like non-hormonal forms of birth control? Mm -hmm. I know you talked about the condom. Are there any other non-hormonal forms? That there are. I mean, I'm a fan of, you know, natural family planning methods, learning your cycle. And mm -hmm. um, I know many women and I guide many women in learning their cycle and knowing, especially if they're, if they're in a secure relationship where they, you know, if they're married or with someone long-term and they know yeah. that it's a secure relationship, knowing when you need to use those condoms or not, you right. know, yeah. um, a diaphragm is still a method that 
is women controlled, which is a little messy and awkward, but sometimes it's better to have something like that mm -hmm. than to think about um, having to take a pill every day. Um, IUDs are a safer option than most women, especially young girls know about. Mm -hmm. um, there are hormonal and non-hormonal IUDs which is it's a less of a even the hormonal iud is less less of a hormonal influence right than, as compared to the pill and the birth control pill okay. um but i like the tracking the period so if somebody can learn when yeah. they're fertile and avoid intercourse at that mm -hmm. time or use a condom you know more carefully right. during that time yeah um, also I, I might add that if someone's in a you know in a marriage or a long-term relationship mm -hmm. And they don't mind getting pregnant or whatever um i feel like learning how to track your cycle also creates more bonding with your partner so for yeah. example i use that with my husband and he mm -hmm. like understands my body more and right. you know we would know when my fertile window is so it's like right. yeah it's kind of like you're not alone if you're like that's you know, a great point that's yeah. a great point but also i think it's really important as women to understand what's going on and why mm -hmm. that's true you know? yeah just we should know what why why do you have discharge now why do you feel really tired today you know <laughs> and allow yourself and not plan things for when you know you're going to mm -hmm. get your period you know so yeah. it's okay to you know call in sick mm -hmm. because not because you feel so crappy but because you your energy level is low and if nothing i'm not encouraging people to call in sick but you know what i mean like schedule <laughs> yeah, that down for yeah. yourself like if you're supposed to, if somebody says i'm gonna say go out but we don't go out anymore right because <laughs> of covid but say in the real world if there was like a party and you had a choice of scheduling it when you mm -hmm. know you're going to be premenstrual or a week later when you're going to be off your period schedule yeah. for when you're off your period yeah because exactly. you know you'll be feeling better or an yeah. important meeting or trip or something like that mm -hmm. you know there's yeah. it's an inward time before your period if you accept that and go with it i think there's less conflict and i think the premenstrual tension comes from that tension of trying to be everything all the time even when you're not feeling up to it do you know what i mean Yes, I love that. I just wanted yeah. to sink in. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. The so awareness. That's the yeah, it really goes. Between the expectation mm -hmm. of our world and what we really should be doing as women, you know? Yeah. I feel like, like that could be a whole nother episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> um, okay, so about future fertility, mm -hmm. what are some misconceptions about it? anything i know um, it's a broad broad question but yeah so first of all i don't want women to automatically assume that they will need um interventions to get pregnant you mean like fertility treatment like fertility treatments yeah okay. because that every that's we're so quick to jump on that yeah you know and right. um it's normal for it to take up to a year to get pregnant mm -hmm. no matter what your age the age thing also gets on you know people start worrying but i'm old and my eggs are old and this and that. that's bs there's women getting pregnant well into their 40s which is kind of crazy but and i say it's crazy only because i had a baby at 38 
Mm-hmm. And that was hard for me. <laughs> my last, wow. I was 38. And I'm like, uh-huh. I don't want a baby in my 40s. But, <laughs> but it's, it's totally okay. You know, the risks get harder, get higher, but yeah. they're still not that incredibly high. They're just higher. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, not to not to feel like you're under, you know, under the gun or trying to beat the clock and feel that pressure and knowing that it's OK for it to take up to a year to get pregnant. Yeah. And then knowing that, you know, taking care of yourself in all the ways that we talked about nutrition, getting enough sleep, making sure your bowels are functioning well, making sure your gut is balanced making sure that you don't have any deficiencies. All of those need to be aligned and our stress levels need to come down, which is hard to say in 20, <laughs> yeah. but our stress levels need to come down, you know, because we need to feel safe. Our bodies need to feel safe mm-hmm. in order to make a baby. You yeah, know, so. definitely. I feel Lots like so many people wanted to conceive in 2020, but then everyone's like, okay, maybe 2021, like enough of this year. Yeah. I just need to like, yeah. you know, reset and like, yeah the idea of fertility treatments being so rampant and so easily and quickly jumped to right. makes me concerned i'm not anti ivf if it yeah. needs to be it needs to be yeah but putting women's bodies through that is a lot and i feel that and people might curse me for this I feel that some of the fertility specialists are aren't thinking of the consequences on the women on the woman afterwards mm-hmm. or even that pregnant it's just okay I get the woman pregnant and then I pass her on to an OB or a midwife who's going to deliver right. okay they're not really thinking about anything else consequentially like I told you about that woman that I had and I've had quite a few who had IVF and now can't make milk because she didn't have good hormone balance or nutrition levels or anything before. Mm, I see. You know? Yeah. So, so um, things like that. That's where I, I get concerned with for future fertility. But I don't want anybody to think that because they're on the pill, they, they won't get pregnant. Yeah. I that's think that mindset is really important. You have to believe that you'll be able to conceive whether yeah. you're off the, pill, off the pill or, you know, mm. whatever. Um, and my heart goes out to anyone who is having a problem conceiving. Mm-hmm. You know, I went through my own a couple of, I wanted to have a baby went, before I had my first son. I, I took a couple of months to get pregnant. I got pregnant, had a miscarriage. Then it took me another few months to get pregnant again. And then yeah. after him, when I decided I want to have my next child, it was just over a year. As a matter of fact, my OB at the time said to me, if you don't get pregnant by next month, then yeah. we're going to send you to a fertility specialist. And I don't even think there was IVF then. because I mean, she's 26, so I don't know. <laughs> but I did get pregnant that week. Like, I don't know what they were going to do. They used to just give you, like, Clomid and make you super right. ovulated. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, yeah, so I, I went under the gun with that. So I have had my own minor fertility challenges. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know how heartbreaking that can be. And I don't by any means want to, you know, say, oh, this is easy. It's not always easy. You know, I, and my heart goes out to anybody that's suffering with infertility. Yeah, a lot of compassion for those women. And yeah. also, uh, there's so many choices, I feel, at every stage of a woman's life to go on the pill, not to go on the pill, like pregnancy, you know, like there's so many conflicting 
information out there too it can be very overwhelming i uh, i agree and i think the most important thing is what what you are doing here melissa is educating women and letting them learn that there Mm -hmm. are options and what the options are and then you make your choice for yourself and the choice isn't necessarily a bad choice it's it's your choice you know right yeah that's what i try to do when i'm empowering women around their you know their infant feeding when i see for lactation it's like there is no right or wrong way to do it there's the way that's right for you and your baby and as a mom you know what's best for your baby intuitively mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. trust that and yeah. i think that in healthcare the state of healthcare now we're not empowering women to trust themselves yeah we're always looking for tell yeah. me what to do tell me what yeah, to yeah. take yeah yeah, yeah. Totally. so and that's part of why i don't like the pills because Right. It seems at first it seemed like we were giving women control, Mm -hmm. right? From a feminist point of view, back in the 60s when they started using it, it seemed like they were giving the women a control. But I think it's kind of reversed now. It's more like this is just what you do and don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. Don't learn about you. Don't learn about your body. Don't learn about your hormones. Yeah. Right. You know. So if someone, you know, who's listening to this and is ready to feel empowered mm-hmm. with you, uh, where can they find you? So um, I believe I gave you the link to my website. Uh, my, my name is Lisa Palladino, so I'm at lisapalladino.net. Somebody took .com, so I had to take <laughs> What are the odds? <laughs> yeah, right. And, um, and my, I'm on Facebook as Lisa Palladino and on Instagram. And... Um, um, I gave you the link for my quiz. Oh yeah, about for sure. PCOS and getting pregnant. And okay. it's not just about getting pregnant. That's, that's what it says. So you can take the quiz either way because it's about the root causes of PCOS. Mm-hmm. So when I say getting pregnant, you know, why can't I get pregnant? I mean, like what's going on with my cycle right. that's not regular and what's causing it. So anybody can take that quiz. and uh, find out their root causes there's like some questions to take and then you get an answer and what to do and there's some hints of what to do and what's important depending on what's causing your individual symptoms nice awesome that sounds great i'm definitely gonna uh, put all of that in the show notes Uh, well yeah thank you for today it was really good i actually learned a lot too so oh great it was a pleasure being with you thank you so much and thank you to anybody who was listening it was great to have this opportunity